Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words. Good evening and welcome to another evening with us. Please, thank you for listening and being with us. You're listening to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Pat Picciarelli, my partner in crime. Hey, buddy. And Megan's here. Hello, everyone. All right, here we are. Back at the studio, hanging out. I can't tell you where. <laughs> We're in an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. Uh, up east side of New York. Pick, mm-hmm. pick a block. <laughs> yeah, any block. I'm looking. <laughs> I think this is like our fourth, fourteenth, or fifteenth show, isn't it? Something around that, yeah. We're racking them up. It's crazy. I know. Is there anything we touched, didn't touch on, that you want to hear about? Uh, yeah, a couple things. So obviously, I, I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> so Elvis, you had to have known Elvis, right? Of course, I know. Elvis. So everybody knows Elvis, but maybe not as well as you knew him. Well, I know Elvis in so many different ways. I mean, Elvis is like a, 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 was a living legend. I first met Elvis when he first came out of the army, mm-hmm. and I was at the Fontainebleau Hotel, and Frank Sinatra was hosting a special, and Elvis was his guest. It was an hour television special, mm. and I just happened to be there and uh, met him. And a good-looking guy and a gentleman, and spin forward after that maybe it was 10 years or more after that than that I reunited and was ingrained I was at that time after the 50s and the 59 60 when I got to Vegas and uh, they were opening a new hotel a friend of mine called Kirk Corian he owned TWA Airlines he owned a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, he built this hotel on Paradise Road off the strip and uh, he came up with this idea, which was brilliant. He opened the showroom with 1,500 seats. It had a balcony where people who didn't want to eat and dine for the cheaper tickets would sit up there. But most before that, the showrooms were like three or 400 people, 500 people is the most. Which and hotel was this? The Interna- It was called the International. I remember. And... Uh, and so he opened it on Fourth of July weekend. The first two weeks was Streisand mm. doing two shows a night at that time, and then the second two weeks was Elvis Presley, which was totally insane. I mean, the, the city first of all Fourth of July weekend. It's hard to get people to go to the desert, so he was smart because you know it was 110, 115. Yeah, and uh, he, he had these guys who couldn't get in. The place was packed. And he had 3,000 hotel rooms. I mean, he was a genius. Wow. And he wanted to create enough entertainment and clubs and lounges and restaurants so they never left the property, which was another reason. So once you checked in, you didn't have to go outside. It was a brilliant move. Wow. But uh, I got to know Elvis on a totally different level because already by that time, I was like somewhat of a, a legend myself in Vegas right. with all my car collection and different hotels that I had a, a situation with because of Mr. Costello and different people like Al Melnick and Mo Dalitz and uh, you know uh, so many, many people, Maya Lansky, who really ran that town. But um, I got to know Elvis 
because I opened a club, Joe Kennedy and Frank Costello owned the Tropicana Hotel mm-hmm. under fictitious names when they can get away with it that way. So I used to have to go there all the time. And I, I said, you have all this space here. Why don't we do something here? He said, what do you want to do? I said, let me open a club. So he gave me the space. And I opened the club. And I selfishly opened the club only Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. What club was it? Called Tiffany's. Hmm. And I came up with the idea from Tiffany's on 5th and 57th Street. Mm-hmm. So I put in all the gates that they had for Tiffany's. And I, the, my doormen were dressed like the Tiffany guards that you met. And the coffee tables, where we had your drinks in the lounge, were jewelry cases with all fake jewelry in it. And then what I did also, which was quite unique, because they had about five restaurants Mm -hmm. in the hotel, I made a deal with the food and beverage guy that any of the foods that were left over that night be creative and do hors d'oeuvres. Everything was served very elegant. Uh, white doilies on the on the trays, and we wanted to make it really a high end club, and we opened at midnight to six in the morning. <sighs> so, like the steak place, we'd do steak on toast and all that. And why I'm bringing up the food? The food was for nothing. <laughs> and How my, was that? <laughs> it was a great gig. And, and the funniest thing is that, uh, as w- most of us know, my lucky number was seven. Mm-hmm. So I charged everything seven dollars. You wanted a Coke, it was $7. You want a, a drink, it was $7. At that time, it was a lot of money. You know, we're talking about 60, 61, 62. Yeah. But we made so much money, and then I saw the crowds I was bringing in through it, and, um, and oh, I forgot why we were talking about it. Right. <laughs> I asked Elvis to open it for me, <laughs> and he did. He couldn't wow. believe, well, he, there was rumors about that. I, I was connected to certain people, and he had his Memphis Mafia, mm. and, uh, which was his band, and he liked all that stuff. So, uh, and I said, we got friendly with Dr. Elias Ghanem. We all had the same doctor, and it just grew into this, and I, I, I built it. This was like the second or third time that Elvis has come to Vegas at the time, mm-hmm. and he was the same guy. He wanted to go someplace at the night and there was no place to go. And was this like during the height of his career? Like when Oh my god, yeah. Really? Okay. Oh no, this was like the, so he was, was he was huge. Huge, huge. And so he came and opened the club for me and then everybody just came because and he we'd send a car from 3 o'clock because he was doing a twelve o'clock show. Mm-hmm. He'd do an eight and a twelve. But he hung out there all the time. People knew it. So wow. I mean I, I had privileged people yeah. that were coming in. And um, that, that's how close friends we came. I remember a couple of times of it, you know, on other than the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. One Sunday night, we were all at uh, Suite 3000, mm-hmm. which is the top suite where he stood on the roof of the uh, Hilton Hotel. Um, was a Hilton that after that that we bought, but it was the International. They sold it to Hilton. But he had a heliport up there and all that. So we were all sitting around. And uh, I don't know if everybody knew his fetish that he, he loved peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwiches, which to me sounds repulsive. You were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's. And I can't died when he was. Right. <laughs> no, but the thing is so, and he had this famous diner he liked to go to in San Francisco. 
And I said, wait a minute, I can make those sandwiches. Bananas, <laughs> peanut yeah. butter. Why do we have to go to San Francisco? Why do we have to fly? Said, we gotta go. And so we, you know, he had his he had his own jet. Mm-hmm. So we'd go up there, take you know maybe an hour and a half to get up there from Vegas, and um, we'd go have these sandwiches. I had them once. You have one? I had a half of one. I couldn't even eat. It was ridiculous. <laughs> But, and uh, everybody, oh, these are great. I'm saying, well, you're out of your mind. <laughs> but we came back this one particular night, which is a classic Elvis story. And he, he loved television. He loved um, cowboy movies and all that. Mm. So we're all sitting in this huge dining room, I mean, uh, living room. And the living room was so big that maybe had like four or five major couches in it, plus chairs, mm-hmm. just to give you the size of this room. And they had one of these big, back projecting televisions when they first came out. So it was a big screen TV. And when he got mustered out of the army, they had two gold-plated 45 gold cup guns. One was his and they bought him another one. And he used to walk on stage with them and everything. You know, they weren't gonna stop this guy. Right. But we were watching this cowboy movie and he got so engrossed in it that he turned over the chair he was on and he's shooting above the television. There was a gunfight going on. So. He was going to get involved in the gunfight that was on television. On television. And, of course. And he was How old was he? <laughs> oh, no, he was not. Oh, he was crazy. So now, me, I said, okay, I always carried. So I turned over my right. chair. Oh, Thank God. God nobody, this it was on the roof of the building. Because 45s, they'll go through plasterboard. Thank anything. God nobody lived upstairs. Thank God. I mean, this room was riddled with bullets. But even the fact of just shooting, even though we were shooting high, it could have still ricocheted and killed somebody. Right. But we had a gunfight, and at the end, after we, we didn't reload or anything, but it was like insane. <laughs> and, uh, and and he, he let me know, and I, I, didn't, I never shared this with anybody, because I said to him, why did you do that? He says, why? I said, why did you do that? He says, I heard about your gunfights. I said, I had no gunfights. He said, yes, you guys did. And, and what I'm about to tell you, Pat, you wrote about in the book, because when we had the card games at Carmine's yeah, right. in LA, mm-hmm. it was a thing with Sinatra. We were like we were nuts, Sammy Davis, Dean Martin. We'd meet one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning at this place called Carmine's. It was right up the street in Westwood from Mateo's. Mateo's would close. And then we'd go up there and play cards. A legitimate card game, full of same film. But everybody carried guns at that time. And you know, it was like cowboys, you laid on the table. And then Sinatra started that. And he'd, you know, he'd, he'd went ahead and shoot some bullets in the air. Again, it was only, fortunately, a one-story restaurant. It's still there. And it's been remodeled. In fact, a, a lady who runs it now bought the book, Pat, I forgot to tell you this, and she said, you have to, I love the fact that you promoted Carmine's because everybody that read the book in, in California mm-hmm. goes there and says, Are the, show us the bullet holes. <laughs> yeah, where are the bullet holes? What I'm about to say, it's still there. They've remodeled it all, but that one table in the back, almost in the back room, mm-hmm. but it was right in the middle of the floor, above the ceiling, is all the bullet holes yet. And she said, you, you've increased my business. That's crazy. <laughs> Which is great. But... Uh, so that's, he was referring to that. He said, I heard you guys always said, he loved Sinatra, he loved Dean. I mean, they all loved him. I mean, mm-hmm. this kid was an amazing and very giving. I mean, he'd give you cars. 
Really? Uh, if you did him a favor, and his his favorite car to give away was a Studs Batcat at that time. What is that? That was like forty five thousand dollars. Like a, an interesting look, like a, um, a combination of a a, a Pontiac Cadillac, mm-hmm. but it was. Uh, and he had them gold plated. I mean, it was really wow. obnoxious cars. But and then if he really liked you, he'd give you a lightning rod, uh. striking lightning right. on a gold chain, and it said TLC. Cool. I mean TLB, taking care of business. Huh. And that's that was his thing, and gave them to everybody. Huh, that's but they cool. were expensive. I mean, it was a solid gold. But mm-hmm. but that's my uh, Elvis thing. I mean. <laughs> And the for, for, fortunately of his group, they, they 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 buried him. I mean, his Memphis Mafia. They had more prescriptions when he died, under every band member's name. <laughs> so he was. They just took care of him, but he he died a terrible death. How did he die? A, 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 technically, on his death certificate, uh-huh. he died of constipation. That's what I had always heard, but I wasn't sure if that was true. Well, he had about forty-five pounds of fetus in him. Feces? Feces. I tell you, yeah, not, not, yeah, not, not fetus, man. Not fetus. <laughs> so there were no babies well, in there. Well, I tell you, I, I mean, I, you know me, I, my, my mind goes, I have so many kids. <laughs> well, when you take, when you take uh, a painkiller, oxy or anything, you immediately get stopped up. It just backs you, you get, up. Yeah. You get and if you're taking this on a steady basis, yeah, I can see that. So how do you die? Hmm. Well, he blew up. We all know he blew up, but nobody, you know, and he just lived the life. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. Yeah. And, uh, Unfortunately, it was, but it was too late. Oh, that's and tough. He died of his own poisonings. Young, was, young man, too, early 40s. Yeah. Yeah. 77. I, I, mean, I remember a, the day terrible. he died. Yeah, I could never forget the day goes to the two sevens. But um, a, a great guy, though, an amazing guy. And give you anything, really, mm-hmm. literally. And he made a deal on a handshake with Colonel Parker. And I've heard so many stories. So he robbed him. He never robbed Elvis. He that made, was his agent, Big. Oh, okay. That was his agent. Manager, and, and, manager. and believed him <laughs> and made him his, got his first records made. And he made a deal. Elvis made the deal. Mm-hmm. He says, if you make me a star, you got 50 cents on the dollar, everything I make. Wow. And until he died, he gave him 50% of the contracts. That's crazy. But, you know, that's who he was. There's a lot of guys that, you know, give their word on something, they do it. Yeah. You know, but uh, did you know him up until he died? Like, were you I, still no, in last, contact? The last with him? two years, I didn't know. Okay, because he wasn't doing that much, and I, I was at one of one of his last performances. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on stage. I mean, Why? from from the man that he was, and and you know, very fit. Maybe he was one hundred and sixty pounds. That was a lot for a guy. His tall. I mean, his height. It wasn't a lot, and he wore the capes and all the karate stuff and. He came out like Jesus. I mean, is he just like deteriorating? No, he, oh. he, he's so fat. Oh, gotcha. He was huge. I mm-hmm. mean, huge. And with, imagine with the cape on, he looked bigger. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, out of all the celebrities, I would have to say, I put him with a Dean Martin, and mm-hmm. Dean is like my high, highest rated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Sinatra, all the other guys, they were under those, those two, but. Elvis was a, a unique person and very giving, very giving. It's always good to hear, you know, the legends that you've always heard about be actually good guys, you know. And very creative. I mean, look at all the movies he made and everything else. Right. 
and he had great love affairs. And in fact, <laughs> when Anne Margaret did Any Given Sunday with me, mm-hmm. uh, she played Cameron Diaz's mother. And we go back that far, because she was a big headliner. Mm. And they had a, an amazing love affair, and they made a movie together. Was it called Viva Las Vegas or something? That Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, and uh, they had an amazing, amazing love affair, and uh, which was publicized and not, you know, it was a rumor, but it, and her and I, we hadn't seen each other for maybe 20 years when I cast her for this part. Mm. And uh, we used to reminisce about Elvis stories, which was <laughs> classic, classic. But you know, these legends that uh, I had the privilege of meeting, it, it, it's crazy. So what about Zsa Zsa Gabor? I could see why you would like Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> Did you know all of the sisters, Ava and Magda and all that? No, I, I, I didn't even know. Remember Maggie was giving me a hard time one time because I didn't know who Zsa Zsa Gabor was. Right. Until I read it in the book, obviously. But you have she, some she good stories famous, about her. She was famous because she was Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I mean, her mother was so smart they, she brought her three daughters here to marry movie stars or become movie stars, and they did. Huh. They only dated, well, uh, one one sister was married to Baron Hilton of Hilton Hotel chain. Right. And I mean, and you know, I, I Green Acres, they all had shows and and they had no talent. They were just who Not they were. And they even have character names. They were so powerful. When they did a movie, they used their name. And people wanted to use their name. Every old lady in the world, ladies, not men, uh-huh. would follow their careers. They loved them because they always dressed well and had their hair mm-hmm. cured. And, and uh, but my story about uh, her is not, <laughs> not very flattering. <laughs> and Merv Griffin, I did like 23 Merv Griffin shows, which was untold. I mean, to be have a guy like that supporting a young actor at the mm-hmm. time. In fact, I'd made my singing debut on television, on Merv Griffin show at Caesar's Palace, and I and a guy came out with this one song called Feelings, and it was a, a one-hit wonder, hmm. and I sang that song in Caesar's Palace, and I couldn't believe it that you know he gave me the opportunity. Wow! So I mean, he I I, you know, I owe Merv a lot, and um, just the exposure. And all the craziness with even with uh, Charo and every every woman he tried to fix me up with. Mm. But h- how I met Jaja one on one was because of Merv. There was a, the premiere of Maine. It was a big premiere in L.A., and he called me and he says, "I want you to do me a favor." I said, "Whatever you want." He's, "I'm going to be broadcasting live on the sidewalk for the opening of Maine tonight." Uh, tomorrow night. And I said, yeah. And he said, Army Archer's gonna be on the other side. And that was Variety at the time, mm-hmm. magazine. Right. So it was great, yeah, he said, it's gonna be great for your career. It's okay, I'll come. He said, but I want you to escort Jaja Gabor. And I said, Jaja Gabor? <laughs> she could be my grandmother. <laughs> he said, come on, Johnny, it'll be a lot of fun. And he's a practical joker too, like so many other people, like Marlon Brando and Sinatra. Right. I said, what's the hook? He said, no hook. I want you to do it. It'd be great exposure. I said, okay. He said, can I give you your, your number to her? I said, yeah. So she calls me. <laughs> Darling. And I knew the name. Right, you know, that's how she talked. <laughs> and and I, I remember my mother 
was taking care of my daughter at the time because her mother was sick. And my mother picks up the phone and she couldn't believe it. And my mother's a, a street lady. And, and the lady said, tell him it's Jaja Gabor. She said, yeah, all right, well, who else you want me to tell you? To tell? <laughs> I said, and so my mother said, there's some broad on the phone says so she's Jaja Gabor. <laughs> so I get on the phone and she says, is that your maid? I said, no, I don't know who that is. I couldn't say it was my mother. It was so funny. That's so I great. get on the phone and she says, uh, Merv told me you're gonna escort me tomorrow night. Da, 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 da. I said, yeah. She said, well, I have my own car. I said, I have my own car. And there was silence. She said, what kind of car do you have, darling? <laughs> I said, I have a, 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 a black Bentley, customized Bentley. She said, you do? I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, where is it? I said, it's here in Nevada. She said, well, tomorrow night we have to be, you know, come to my house five o'clock for cocktails. I said, no, my driver will take it up and he picks me up at the airport. That's what I used to do. He'd leave <laughs> and I'd fly and he'd pick me up. So when we get to her house and, you know, her maid opens the door and all that and I'm, you know, it's an elegant house, only to find out it was Howard Hughes's house that was in, um, oh, in Bel Air that she was renting it or using, I don't know what she was doing with, but she was there. So and they, I was waiting you know, and they said, would you like a drink? And I said, of course, so I had a drink. And here she comes out and I mean, thank God she's dead right now because I wouldn't want to embarrass her. Mm -hmm. But when she came out, she looked like one of the lampshades in my grandmother's living room. <laughs> she had all this chiffon and, and like a bell, you know, this huge person. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't tell if she was huge, but I knew she was overweight. But that dress, I mean, Minnie Mouse could have had that dress on you look like you're 200 pounds. Oh my gosh. So now, and she, you know, she looked marvelous and all that, so I said, oh my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> all right. So now we get in the car, and thank God my, my car, was a Bentley, mm -hmm. and it only had two seats in the back. Her and me, and I have a tendency when I, you know, I let the lady in on the right, she's there, and I, drive, I sit behind the driver all the time. And I have a tendency when I talk to people, I put my hand on their leg. Well, when I put my hand on her leg, my hand didn't bend at all. It was just laying flat, like on this table. That's in the all. book, I refer to it as an aircraft carrier deck. <laughs> oh, gosh. Did, did you write that in the book? Yeah, the yeah. Book? Oh, that's so funny. That's lovely. So now, we have, we're going to uh, Hollywood Boulevard, and it's, you know, there's super, there's, there's some new Cinerama Theater. It was crazy, big, big event, and everybody was there. So I don't know what, we're doing there. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, and that's what the other reason I always had them on the right, because when you pull up, that's the lady out first, and I don't want to get out first to begin with. <laughs> so did, you know, my driver would go around and let her out, and I'm crawling out, and as soon as I get out, <laughs> I'm standing next to her, and Merv Griffin announces, for the first time in public, Jaja Gabor and Gianni Russo, they just got engaged, <laughs> and this, and I'm saying to myself, I want, I want to jump back in the car. That's and, great. And, and the people going crazy. There was people lined up on each side. And oh my like gosh. A gallery. And then Ami Archer comes over to inter interview us. And she goes to uh, Merv Griffin. I go over here and I'm saying to myself, 
Should I tell them you're lying? What did I did, do? What did you do? Did you go along with it? What was well, I went along with it because I didn't know where it was going. And Army Archer was a friend of mine. He says, out of all the women in the world, Johnny, how did you get Jaja Gabor? And I'm saying, I was like, you, you want it? You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So the whole night went on with all these people coming and asking stupid questions. The movie was very funny. So now it's, you know, we go to the after party and all this. and No drinking. I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. All right, you had a drink. If I, was, <laughs> if I was a drug addict, I'd be stoned out of my mind. So now I got to drive her home, obviously. And I'm already three sheets to the wind. And she said, would you like to come in for dinner, after dinner drink? I mean, a, a nightcap. Mm-hmm. I said, ah, why not? The hell with it? I figured... I'm here anyway. Oh the damage has been done. Maybe I'll just mark her on my bedpost and one of the famous women I've been with. <laughs> if you were sober, would you? No, no. I didn't think no, it. No, 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 no. Oh but you know, it was already one or two o'clock. Beverly Hills is so boring. There's no place to go. So really? Oh, my dead. Oh, no. People, there's no clubs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. There's a lot to, of residential. They go to dinner or go to a house party and that's it. So I knew there was no place for me to go. So I figured, I'll go in. So I go in, and she says, why don't you make yourself comfortable? Mm. I said, okay. He said, I'll be right back. And I'm in her bedroom. So I said, you know what? So I got undressed. Yeah, of course you did. And I jumped in bed. And now the same door she went out of, the door cracks only, and a hand comes out the door, obviously knew where the light switch was mm. and shuts off the light switch and went just in twilight. And I'm saying, what the hell's going on here? A lady got into bed with me that was 12, not even a 10, and maybe early 20s. And I'm saying to myself, what, what is going on? What is going on here? And you know, I had my way with it, it was amazing. And then she just crawled out of bed, went through that street, the same door. Seconds later, Zsa Gabor turns on the light, it's her in a robe. So I think you should go now. And I couldn't get out of there fast enough because I figured, I'm not doing you. <laughs> so, and I go, and I couldn't wait for the next morning to call Merv. I said, Merv, he says, did you have fun last night? I said, hey, did you go to the house? I said, yeah. He said, uh, how is Jaja Gabor? I said, you know what goes on there? He says, yeah. I said, who was that? He says, we don't know. She wanted any male to think that she was a great lover. She wanted her reputation to live on, even though maybe she's dysfunctional, I don't know. But, but she really thought people were gonna think that that was her? I don't know what they were saying. She's gotta be on drugs, but I mean. Oh yeah, in her mind, maybe. In her know? mind, maybe she did, because, you know, I mean, I never found out to this day. Who it was? Who it was, I don't know. But I mean, that's an insane story. That's craziness, wild. Craziness, craziness. So far, I mean, she didn't die too long ago. She's like 95. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they were eating, yeah. Her, very sick. Uh, both legs amputated, I mean. Oh my gosh, had, really? Oh yeah, no, she had like, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, diabetes, everything. Same disease she had. Yeah, oh, yeah. But she hung on. She hung on for years that way. Yeah, it's, it's, she was married to a prince. Yeah. From where? Something. This last marriage, and this guy was such a bum. I mean, there's there's so many 
people with titles yeah. that have nothing. So people like to marry them. Mm. Like, you know, we, we, we bunked into this Sunday night. Uh, um, what's her name? Um, Countess, whatever her name, Luann from... Uh, oh, Luann. Sh- yeah, oh, yeah, Countess so. Luann. Yeah, so what's we, her last name? Is it De La Set? Is that what it is? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so we like bunked that. into her on Sunday night uh-huh. at Patsy's, one of my favorite restaurants, and she's there like she's really a princess. I mean, there are people like her husbands yeah. that come to New York, and they are a count. They count like trigger one, two, <laughs> <laughs> and she's still. I mean, she's got an uh, an air about her and an attitude I cannot believe. But there's so many people like that, you know. I mean, I went to so many weddings. Even with, I mean, Doris Day, when she was, you know, they're the big thing that her and Rock Hudson were a couple. Mm-hmm. Well, Rock Hudson was never moving a woman in his life, but the studio made them create these things for their image because Rock Hudson was a matinee idol. Yeah. Every woman in the world would never believe this guy was gay. Huh. I mean, it's it's just crazy when you when you think of how weird and warped Hollywood is. Yeah, and it's it's really sad because they've screwed up so many people's minds. A lot of secrets, man. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, and, it was probably easier. Oh yeah. Now way harder oh, for anyone enough. to keep. Oh now, now from the public. Oh now with all the magazines and everything. I mean, even social media in general. And that's that stuff. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like you know, they had their own publicist with the studios, and I was I I was one of the last of the studio after I did The Godfather, they wanted to groom me. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Zanuck and I knew a lot of the guys over at, over at Fox. And I, I went one to two days just to see what this is about. And they had these great, you know, thespian teachers. Mm-hmm. So I was drunk all night and I, I, <laughs> I didn't make the morning session. And I get there and I'm, I'm all half in the bag. And, <laughs> and, and this teacher is telling me, Okay, today, I want you to be totally free in life, and I'm saying to myself, I'm pretty free already. Yeah, you're set. You're set. So free in you, buddy. So he got he got one of the students to get up, and he said, "What's your favorite tree?" I forget what she said. He said, "Become that tree for us. Let us believe you're the tree." And the wind, he's telling the wind starts to blow, and she's moving like the wind. I'm saying to myself, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out. I did. I, that's what I said. Did you really? See you later. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that's end of great. my. But that's what they did. They gave you dance lessons, singing lessons, got your publicists, created all these stories, bought you cars to create these images early on. Wow. And that, but uh, half the men, like Tab Hunt and all the. Gay, gay, gay. That whole thing with him and um, Tuesday Wells and all these young people they were grooming him. They, would, they hmm. would have no idea. In fact, you know, they, they used to sleep in different bedrooms and have their boyfriends over. <laughs> <laughs> it's craziness. Well, that's crazy. Any other interests you have, my dear, that I can maybe help you with? Um, I don't know right now. Pat, you have anybody else you want to hear about? I know. It's like there's too many. I feel like we lose track of what we have talked about. No, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yes. Well, even Molly, you know, as he get matured and next to death, he was uh, the relationship that Liz Taylor and, and Michael Jackson and, and, and Brando and all of us had 
because of our, our relationship and me and my the proximity of my last house up on Mulholland, these guys were my neighbors. I mean, they were nuts, Jack Nicholson and him. And But uh, as he went on in life, he just, he took on a persona that you were afraid of him. Because mm. he'd get up some days, he didn't know who he was. What's that? That's for you, you're not here. <laughs> I, I never, what happened, I have a bell in my pocket? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that's Kansas City's calling that was. They should be calling you if it's Kansas City. Maybe it's Jaja's ghost. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think we're ready for the mailbag, aren't we? You want to go? I oh. think so. All right, let's do it. So we have a question from Mark. And Mark said, since I'm from Detroit, did you know any of the Detroit families, Lenny Schultz or the Cavateos? Cavateos? Am I Pur- saying that right? Purple Gang. Oh, yeah. so you did. Yeah, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there soon. In fact, I do, we just we just opened Detroit because some of that family owns most of the trucking outfits and, and grocery stores. Talking huh. about the uh, Corleone family selections. Mm. It's so apropos that we've opened in Chicago, <laughs> Detroit, <laughs> Cleveland, <laughs> all mob awesome. cities, yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. I'll be Love in Philly it. next week. Actually. No way. I'll be in Pittsburgh next weekend, actually. Pittsburgh? Yeah. That's not Philly. I mean, I mean, that's where we start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm in Philly, all in that area. But uh, anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, I do know that guy, tell him, that oh. family. In fact, um, um, a guy that he may know, um, they, they, they ran, people don't know, Las Vegas was chopped up with families from all over the United States. And the guy who ran the Riviera Hotel, Mm-hmm was from Detroit. And in fact, that's how I met Sinatra's last wife. And I don't mind saying Barbara Marks, who married one of the Marks brothers, was a chip hustler at the Riviera Hotel. Mm. Long before she was anything else, but gorgeous. She, I mean, this woman was stunning. But um, no, and uh, you know, Cleveland, uh, Raymond Petriaca was at the Dunes Hotel, New England. Mm -hmm. Every hotel you knew, was part of a, a family. So I got to really know them well in the 30 years I spent in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Purple Gang was famous for whacking people 22 semi-automatics. Yeah. And when everybody was getting shot with Thompson submachine guns, they were using these little piddly 22s. But they knew and what everybody else didn't know, that a, a 22 could a hell of a lot of damage. You shoot somebody in the head with that, and it breaks up, it just yeah, blows you away. behind the ear. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very vicious uh, round, and yeah. people aren't aware of it. Especially if it's a, a 22 long hollow point. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. all Look right. at all your learning here. I'm, uh, Great it's knowledge. It's crazy. <laughs> one day when you're married and you can have children, you can t- tell everybody, you, you tell your kids, they're bouncing on your knee. Mm-hmm. Tell them all about assassination. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. All and, good uh, stuff I've got up here now. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> all right. every kid should know. <laughs> Okay, moving on to the next question. This is from Ray. And Ray asks, any similarities with your relationship with Marilyn Monroe and those portrayed in the movie My Week with Marilyn? I never saw that. No? My Week with Marilyn, no. I would never go see anything Marilyn Monroe. Mm. After, after I had the opportunity of creating a friendship with her for four years and meeting her on the level I met her, I didn't meet her as, you know, a sex symbol. I met her as a lady who needed a hug. 
I needed a hug. We had so many similarities. Right. And that's what it was about. I mean, yes, me being 16 years of age, Mm -hmm. when she's handing you champagne and you find yourself in a bathtub where the things happen. But um, it was amazing. No, but I found, I didn't know, a a week with Marilyn? It's my week with Marilyn. I don't know what it is either. I heard of it. Is it a movie? I don't think it was big. Hmm. Was it a movie? Yeah, it was a movie. And who portrayed her? I don't even think she was. No, I think this was the movie where she was alluded to, but not in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, th- I think. You know, there was so many movies. It's a while ago. Yeah, no, I don't know. Oh, Michelle Williams? Oh. We just looked it up. It says Michelle Williams portrayed her. Portrayed so I guess, no, Michelle, I guess she was. No, this, this was an older movie. Michelle Williams is young. Really? Well, maybe maybe it's a new movie. I don't know. Maybe it was redone. I don't know. I don't know. I've yeah. never seen it. Perhaps I don't know what I'm talking about, which is all for the course. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then we have a couple comments. One is from Joe, and Joe says, listening to your podcast brings me so much contentment. I look forward to your stories, your voice, and your congenial attitude, like I look forward to slipping on a comfortable pair of slippers by the fireplace. <laughs> Thanks okay. for being, without a doubt, the most interesting and pleasant podcaster I've ever listened to. Wow. That's huge. I th- it was that my, is, that's my nice. son, Joe. <laughs> 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 no, my son would be throwing rocks at me. Anyway, no, that's great, Joe. Thank you. I hope you're listening tonight. That's great. Yeah. All right, so we have another comment from Patrick. This is, a, I think you'll like this one. This one says, you have inspired me to start attending Catholic services again. All the bad oh. news of the past 15 years really soared, soured my opinion of the Catholic Church, but you reminded me of something my father used to say to me when I was a kid. You gotta believe in something. Very simple, yet effective advice. My wife really appreciates that you were able to help me make that connection. Oh, great, thank you. That's, That's amazing. Pat, where do you live? <laughs> you should come to our church. Yeah, right. right. Meet you at Mass. <laughs> you know it's ironic that you brought this up? I met Megan in, in church. church. That was the first time we... Yeah. We, I was visiting some friends of mine down in Naples, Florida. It was Marco Island. Marco Island, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's right, Marco Island. Yeah. And uh, I go to church, and there's this family in front of me of five people, two daughters, a boy, and the mother and father. And they're sitting right in front of me. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Look how nice this is. And what really blew my mind, and you're sitting here to attest to it, I never saw a church with that many people in it. Oh, yeah. It was packed. This church was had to be 1,000, 1,500 It was probably people. the only one on the island, you yeah. think? Yeah. But I think on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, who would be in church? Right. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty big crowd. It was impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, And that's how I met Megan. And as life would have it, we wound up that we're staying at the same hotel. Uh-huh. And I start talking to our father, and he's telling me, you know, we, and we, we just realized we met each other in church. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you know, I have this daughter, I had two daughters, and, and I complimented him. I said, that's so nice. So we never miss mass and all that. I said, nor do I. And then his wife, Gretchen, mm-hmm. came out and she couldn't believe her husband was talking to Johnny Russo from The Godfather. <laughs> he was just talking to me that the guy yeah. was sitting behind him in church. Exactly. It was so funny. Her favorite and, movie of all time. And she was flipping out. And, and I know, as it is so many people's. And then, which is ironic, and 
then you know he mentioned that you know Megan's going to uh, school here and this and, and when she's getting involved in the business, I said, Let, "Can I introduce you to her?" We're all at the pool. I said, "Yeah," and I always sat at the same couch. Yeah, that was a great day, spot. Same wines brought to me every mm-hmm. day. I was drunk by four o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, but anyway, and this is why we're here. See, I mean. Going to church, a lot of great things can happen. Yeah, and, uh, great things can happen. I think um, Megan's going to have a career and a half here, and we have so many other things happening that we can't even mention yet, but it's going to be a great opportunity for all of us. But I'm glad you're back in church, man. Mm-hmm. And just for yourself, nobody else. I mean, it's good your wife is appreciative, but you got you just feel good about it, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's it for today. Well... I tell you, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. I, I feel so selfish about this. <laughs> I have so much fun doing this. It's like, but we only appreciate you, believe me. Pat, Megan, and I, oh. just keep tuning in, keep telling people about it. We wanna hit millions. A very aggressive guy, I think. <laughs> you should know that by now. But I think, I think we're giving the right stories, the right messages, and if you look at it and tell them, it's, you know, if you listen to this guy's podcast, they're like family members that come over on Sunday and tell you stories you want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. You know are. what's good, too? Exactly. It's, nice to, it's nice to be entertained. It's also nice to be entertained and to learn something. That's true. Yeah. I learn something every time I'm sitting yeah. here. So. Well, so do I. And, uh, yeah, it's but, awesome. But God yeah, bless you here. all. Listen to Megan's message on the end. <laughs> Call your friends. Subscribe. We love you. And we'll be back next week. Every Wednesday, we put up a new show, man. Good night, everyone. God bless you all. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.